You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 229, September McCarthy and Suffering as Sanctification. He works it together for good friends. Welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. Of course, I am your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for being here, for downloading. I'm grateful every single time. I would love, if you haven't gone out, I know you're probably driving or doing the dishes or uh, cleaning something, but if you haven't, if you get a chance, get out your phone, go over to halfwaytherepodcast.com, look at the show notes. They're all there. I do custom artwork. If you haven't checked that out, I'm really proud of it. I think you should look at it um, and just uh, say say hello and check out the links because everything we talk about in this episode is going to be linked there so you can get access to our guests and the things that we talk about, uh, which is really helpful. And there's a Patreon button, which is a place where you can just support the show a couple of bucks a month is just really helpful. If it means something to you, if you listen every week, especially would love to have your support on that. Okay, our guest today is, she just really impressed me when I got a chance to talk to her earlier in the year, and I just wanted to hear more about her story. So I invited her back to come and uh, have a conversation about her story. Uh, she's been married for over 30 years. Together they have 10 children and four grandchildren. She's a podcaster herself, a blogger. She's She's a writer. So um, she's got all kinds of things going on. I'm sure we'll hear all about that. Our guest is September McCarthy. September, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here <laughs> and to meet your audience. It will be great. I uh, I really did. So we got to feature you in Podcast Magazine, which I don't probably talk about on here enough. But for the May Mother's Day issue, it was kind of fun. That was That was neat. Yeah, that was really an honor and I'm excited to be featured with a lot of other podcasters. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really fun. It was a cool, that was a neat episode I think, or issue. I think that was the first one we did where we had a, a big um, fan voted on list of the top mom podcasters, right? And you guys were on there. That was super cool. So that was, that was fun, but I'm excited to hear more about you and kind of your story. Um, Cause you know, Okay, mentioned some obvious things that are that are pretty impressive. Ten kids. That's a that's a that's amazing. Most of us, I'm sure you hear this all the time, like, whoa, that's cool. But um, like it just gotta give you a lot of wisdom, right? That's gotta give you a lot of a lot of things to go through. It gives me a lot of things to talk about. I, you know, the wisdom, <laughs> the wisdom department definitely growing. And yeah, so right now, currently, I'm in a season of um, coming out of a one-year term sabbatical that I took independently, something I kind of initiated on my own. And so right now, I'm in a season of picking up projects and things that I've been passionate about, things I've been kind of mulling over, things I felt that I needed to do, but I couldn't do and didn't do when I took that one year sabbatical, which was kind of extreme in the writing and speaking world. Um, basically unheard of a lot of my contracts I gave up and my publishers were shocked, but um, I basically had taken a lot of time um, to work on a lot of things, plus raise my family and my family had kind of taken a backseat to um, 
to my life. So I took this one year sabbatical and right now I'm coming down off of that and finishing up some of the things I, I had in my heart to do. Yeah. So yeah, that is pretty countercultural, right? To take a whole year sabbatical. Um, was that something that you felt like God was asking you to do or something you just had to do? Well, I think what had happened is I had ignored a lot of the warning signs um, for a long time, physically and emotionally. And honestly, I did not even realize until I was in the middle of my sabbatical that there are a lot of spiritual warning signs that I had Mm -hmm. ignored um, until I was in the middle of my sabbatical. And even on the other side of it, I look back and think, you know, wow, I'm so glad that I was forced into that. You know, so my life kind of came to a screeching halt because I had ignored a lot of things physically that were out of my control. I needed some medical attention and intervention and um, to get my health back on track. And I think, you know, we forget sometimes that all three of those things are really intertwined and and that's how God created us. And so when one thing is is off and we ignore it. And then another thing is off. So God just brought me to this place where I really had no choice and to make a decision to take a one year sabbatical was extreme. Um, but it, it, a place of healing is not, and I've learned this, this very precise thing in my life. It's a place of healing. Isn't just fixed by a one week vacation or taking a little time off work to get some help. Like it took me an entire year. So, um, Everything in my life stopped except for my family. And even that I, I brought in help to help keep things moving here. Um, it was pretty radical. It looked pretty extreme. People were pretty worried about me, but I knew I was in the right place. And, um, and it was, it was good. It was really good. It was hard and it was emotional, but it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, you mentioned your publishers and, you know, I'm sure speaking gigs, although now they're all gone. Right. But that's, um, that, that, like just, you know, is the whole business is about what have you done for me lately, right? Like, are you still producing new stuff? And so that must have been a little scary. It was scary because, I mean, that's part of my income. Um, and it's also part of what we tie our identity to. But it's yeah. also prof- it's also professionally just so hard to say, well, you know, I've made a decision to not speak because I'm taking a sabbatical. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem professional, feel professional. Um, and honestly, it was very hard. That was the hardest part for me was mm. telling these people, I'm sorry, you know, I, I can't come speak because I'm taking a year off. It just doesn't sound like um, someone who's reliable, someone who has something valuable to bring. And um, But I knew in the end that um, you can never go wrong making a decision to rest or heal, even Mm. if it comes at a cost, even if it comes at a cost, something, everything good comes with a cost. And so, um, that was a decision I had to make. And, um, I'm really glad I did. And honestly, now I, when I see those warning signs, they're much more, um, visible to me. Like I can feel them. I can see them in my life. My family sees them. Um, I can identify those in other people. You know, I can think, I can see that, wow, they really need some rest or I hope they take a break soon. Um, and not in any judging way, just it's one of those things. It's very eye opening. Yeah. Well, we're, we're such a society that just loves to run, 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 right. Achieve, achieve, achieve. And God clearly doesn't think that's what we should be doing, right? Like he even built into Israel's calendar, whole years of sabbatical, right. Whole years of, of rest and restoration and moving things back to people. And like, that's, there's a reason for all that, you know, we need to, we need to honor that. 
Yes. Right. Yeah. And I, um, I feel like a lot of people said to me, well, September, you know, you have 10 kids and this is part of your own doing. If you didn't have such a big family, you know, (laughs) then you wouldn't be so exhausted. And, and I can see how there's a judgment attached to, um, being tired or exhausted or worn out or at your breaking point. And therefore there's a lack of compassion and loneliness. And so it's hard to share and be open with people that you're taking a break from, from life because your life is so full and busy because they, in, you know, the culture we have today defines, you know, you choose what you have. So like my family size in the world's mind, right. I've chosen, therefore I can deal with what I've been dealt with. But I knew that God had given me these kids. He would give me the capacity to raise them, but I also needed to honor and steward you know, my spiritual, emotional, physical well-being while doing that. And that meant taking a sabbatical. Yeah. Well, I really respect that because I think, like we said, it is kind of cultural. I think it is, we need to take care of yourself, but also it just is a, it's a, I think it's a biblical idea. Like, I think that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, Okay. So I want to know more about you and kind of how you got to that point. So um, are you, where did you grow up? Where, where did you uh, kind of, what was that family like? Well, I grew up in um, a home with two brothers, and my father was a creative, advertising, marketing, um, a writer, a content curator. My mom worked outside the home, um, very goal-driven parents, and then um, divorce affected our family, so my parents were divorced, and I was kind of waffled between two, you know, two households. Yeah. Both, my parents, both my parents remarried. And, um, so I was the oldest and I had two younger brothers and I found kind of grew up in that caregiver, you know, role and mentality that was, you know, just kind of who I was. We didn't have a, um, a fundamental background, I should say. I grew up in a Catholic background, so we attended the Catholic church and, um, and I didn't really have a personal relationship at that time with the Lord until I was about 13. And I came to realize that I needed Jesus as my Lord and Savior of my life. And it was just this new um, concept. I didn't know the books of the Bible. I didn't even know what was in the Bible. And so I felt like God really opened my eyes and my awareness to um, living life outside of, you know, taking care of people or, um, having to figure things out on my own, which is you know, where I was kind of in life is, you know, always having to manage and always having to figure out which direction things should be going. And now I realized that there was a bigger purpose to my life. So that yeah. was about age, about age 13. And well, well, how did that happen? Uh, so my family uh, were friends with this family who traveled and did this music ministry at these family camps. And so my parents said, Hey, we're going to go to this, um, family camp as a, as a group. So we listened to our friends minister and, you know, we swam in the pool during the day and we did camp activities during the day. And at night we'd go to these, um, you know, like camp family Bible times, like under, under the big tent. And it was just fun. It was a great week. And that's what we all went for. We had a wonderful week. And then partway through the week, um, a pastor gave the message of salvation and it was the first time I had ever heard that. It may not have been the first time I'd ever been presented to me, but it was the first time I heard that. And, um, 
I'm, I'm really careful to say that because growing up in a Catholic church, I know that that's not necessarily true, that the gospel yeah. is presented. And I want to be careful to say that. Um, so this is the first time I heard it, the Holy Spirit worked in my heart and um, they gave an invitation for people to came, come forward um, to give their life to Christ and to talk with someone. And I just remember in that moment thinking, this is different. This is different than, you know, the messages and things I've been hearing all my life when we'd attend church once in a while. So we, I always grew up to be a good girl raised in a moral um, atmosphere, but to have a personal relationship was different. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's what that, that was. And I remember just being on fire, like excited of like opening my Bible and realizing that there was a Genesis and an Exodus and Leviticus and Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, like I didn't even know those were in the Bible. And so it was just this, awareness that, um, there was this book and there was a living God. And, uh, so, you know, then we went back to our normal life and, um, my mom tried to get me involved in different groups, but I went back to the public school at that point and going back as a new believer as a junior hire from a split home was really difficult for me. I didn't feel like I really had a support system. We still weren't attending a regular church. And so, I felt like I was back into, I have to figure out what I'm going to do next to learn more about being a Christian. Yeah. Well, so, so, well, that's kind of, you know, it's pretty, pretty normal as a, especially as a kid, right. You have to kind of figure out all those things. Interesting. I love that. You know, family camp, like I I love that. I, I kind of personally, this is just my, my view. I think of camps as being a little hokey. Like, and I worked at one when I was uh-huh. a kid, but man, yeah. I hear so many stories of like people meeting Jesus there. And so they can't knock it. Right. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it, it does, it does work. Um, so, okay. Um, you, so then you were kind of trying to, it sounds like you're trying to navigate, you know, being a young adult did somebody, um, you know, disciple you or what was kind of the next, like, Yeah. So as I grew up, you know, my parents were still having difficulties in their um, divorce situation. And it was just a time of calm. It always seemed like a time of conflict. I was always trying to be the peacemaker. And when I got to be about driving age, I realized, you know, I really need to find, really wanted to find a place where I could learn more about who God was, about the Bible, other than just let's be a good person. Um, So Holy Spirit was tugging at me and saying, you know, there's more September, there's more. So I told my parents, you know, I got my license. I said, so I'm going to drive to the church up the street. We drove to a church way across town and um, I'm going to start attending here because I heard they had a girls teen Bible study. And my parents told me, you know, until you can buy your own car, we will not be driving you to a different church. You'll come to church with us, but you can walk if you want. Well, so I decided to walk. <laughs> so, so you did it. Um, yeah, I did it. I walked in the snow everywhere, you know, to get to this church. And a woman met me there every week at the door, um, you know, with all the other people in the church. And she just kind of that was the pastor's wife. And she took me under her wing and she taught me how to study the word of God. And she taught me how to pray and how to have mm. this relationship in a personal way. And that's really when I realized there is someone a God who really loves me no matter what I bring, no matter how I act. And he is going to help me with this, this um, control and management, you know, and not fearing the unknown. Yeah. What was her name? 
Her name was Karen Snyder, and she is a pastor's wife still to this day. Wow. And she just took me under her wing, and um, she sent, you know, she moved on. And then I met my husband, and um, we changed. I changed denominations because I married him. But it was it was just that journey to that place was. Um, I see girls and teens. I have a passion for that age, you know, to really help them come to a place where they can do that independently because there's a lot of girls who come to know Jesus at camp or at a VBS or maybe at a Christian school and then they go back home to an environment where they're not able to grow that. Yeah. Well, shout out to Ms. Snyder because everybody needs one, right? So (laughs) if you like friends, if you're, if you have the ability be a mentor. And if you need a mentor, look for one because they, we, you know, this is how, this is how the gospel and the kingdom, I would say spreads right in through, you know, this is what Paul instructs people to do. So, um, I love that. Okay. So, so that was good. And then you met your husband, you said, so this is, I'm assuming, did you guys meet early? Like, were you in high school or were you um, I had just graduated. So okay. I met him. Yep. We got married. I got married very young. And then um and then I got baptized. So, you know, all those years I was still oh. kind of being shepherded and trying to come to a place where I owned my faith and shared my faith. So I got baptized after I met my husband, made that decision. And um and then my you know, we started having this family and trouble came our way with, um, infant and pregnancy loss. And Mm. I, I'm not sure if (laughs) I look back at that on that. And I think, and I've heard people say, you know, I'm not prepared for this. I don't know if my faith is strong enough. And I can look back and say, you know, as a very young Christian, I, I'm not sure mine was either, but that's what God does with, with really difficult things. He gives you, he's always there. His faith is always the same. It's just how much we rely on him. So, yeah. Yeah. Did did those things challenge your faith at all? They did. They did challenge my faith. There's a lot of times I wondered if um, motherhood mattered because it took us so long just to have a baby to bring home from the hospital. I wondered if God really cared um, why he allowed bad things to happen to good people, which is so, it was so good for me to form my faith that way, because now I have 10 children and I have to answer all those questions. You know, yeah. why, why they always got to allow bad things to happen to good people. And, and I'm, and I'm able to teach them because I had to study, I had to go to the word and I had to say, okay, God, I, I trusted you and I've chosen to live for you. I need you to help me. And he doesn't mind when we ask those questions. Um, so yeah, my faith was challenged, but, um, how did you know, end, you, how did you know you could even ask those questions? <laughs> well, I think when you grow up in a home where you don't have, and maybe this is wrong, I mean, you can correct me, but I think now that I'm raising a generation of children in a home where we have a faith and we're teaching it to our children, so it's always something they've known, Yeah. then it might be easier for them to just take our faith as their own and to not ask the questions. But when, for me growing up in a home where I always had to find that, like, what is it that God wants or, and understand it? And to have this conversation like, God, why are my parents fighting? Or, or why is, you know, this happening? Or why would this happen in the world? Then I felt very comfortable just having this conversation with the Lord and finding out for myself what the word of God had to say. Yeah. Well, that's it. So you already had that relationship with him. It sounds like. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. See, that's the key. And I think you're right. It's, it's hard with, with our kids. And I'm wondering this too, you know, I've got one in college and one in high school and mm-hmm. one in middle school and one in elementary, which is just weird to try to parent all of them. Right. But yeah. you, you know about that better than I do. Um, but it, but yeah, I wonder about, am I passing on the faith or creating a space for them to ask the questions even while I'm still asking some questions, right? <laughs> so that's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just recently, when we were, I was talking to my kids just in the last two weeks, we've been um, praying for a teenage boy who has cancer. And I was actually going through why do bad things happen to good people? We've been working through the case of Christ books with Friendly Strobel. And I yeah. told my kids, I said, I would pray in, by Christmas, by the new year, I'd like you to sit down and write out um, an essay because we homeschooled. So I was like, I want you to write an essay on why you believe in God and some of the hard questions that you have about life and what you'd like to ask him. And even more importantly, I'd like you to defend your faith. So they're all writing this essay um, and they're all going to look different, I'm sure, but I want them to have this and I want them to have an answer from the scripture. Like I, I don't want their answer to be my answer. Um, so, and mm-hmm. I, and I want them to do that because it took me years to be able to answer those questions for myself. Um, so yeah, it's a good, it's a good thing for us to be able to feel comfortable talking to God about those things, but also know what the Bible has to say. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So to know kind of where to go for that. Okay. So you already had this kind of relationship with the Lord and you're wrestling through these things, uh, as a young wife and, and parent, like that's just, that must've been that must have been difficult. What did you what did you conclude out of all that? Yeah, I concluded that um God loves me so much that of course he gave his son, but that he um loves my children. He loves the children that we lost and that we couldn't bring home, but he still has a heart for motherhood, but his comfort is beyond any comfort than anyone else could give me, you know, the people or a self-help manual. And that usually comes when you're at the lowest of lows, right? So you're, you're nothing else helps. The self-help inspirational books are sitting on a shelf and you don't want, even want to pick them up and you're struggling, you know, kind of waffling between anger and bitterness and you just want some hope and that's what he has to offer. And, um, so true surrender, you know, is really honestly mm. where we realize that, and that's what happened during my sabbatical. Like you just have to surrender over the things that you've been trying to manage and control and to do to keep everything else from, um, that we try to replace God's hope. We try to replace his comfort with other things in the world, but he is, he is the ultimate, um, hope and comforter. So that was good for me. And some of these things I can't, my kids can't answer because they haven't walked through yeah. through things yet, but. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so, and it sounds like you said children, so it was multiple right. situations. Yeah. Yep. So we had, we've had, um, we've lost eight children. So we have, oh, wow. yeah. So we had five miscarriages and then a set of twins and a, a full um, term little girl. So, um, yeah, it was a journey. It was a long journey. And, you know, I never really did think I was going to be a mom after all of that, but here we are with 10 kids. And, um, so for, you know, anyone listening that has walked the loss 
journey of loss and they just feel like God doesn't really care or um, there's no good gifts, you know, I just want them to find some hope in the fact that even through loss, really, really hard loss, there, there is, um, there's hope on the other side. Yeah. Was that, was that all before you had other children or was that kind of? Yeah. So we had, um, so we had, well, not all. So we had a a full-term little girl. We found out at four months that she did not have any kidneys and the doctors wanted me to just end my pregnancy there. But my husband and I chose to carry her full term. So gave birth to her. She lived about an hour. And um, then um, we had another, we had a miscarriage so that we had a miscarriage before her. So that's three. And then we had um, three children healthy and we brought them home, um, boy, girl, boy. And then we had um, two twin, a twin pregnancy that ended at 25 weeks. And so um, that was, that was pretty rough. That was probably one of the hardest times, but, um, and then we had more miscarriages in between other children. Um, so a lot of people say, well, you know, September, why did you keep having children? Why did you keep going? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I don't have an answer. I really don't have an answer for that. And I'll be honest with people. All I know is, you know, we have 10 children here. This is what God had planned for our family. Um, it's not the same for everyone, but honestly, parenting is sanctifying. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Right. So you've got to be the holiest person as the (laughs) the most sanctified, Um, but yeah, that's okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. I was just, I was curious how that, how that kind of worked and how, cause I can imagine like, if that was all like up front, that would be a very refining, refining time. Like, Oh, that, you know, I'd be mad. Right. But, uh, okay. So yeah. But even still, that's just it's difficult. So, right. Uh, wow. Okay. So, is there? So, what else? Um, I'm curious. Kind of, a, we've talked a little bit about how that kind of shaped your view of God, and you were able to engage with God through all that. Yeah. Um, did you ever have like a like a dark night of the soul kind of an experience, or was that? Well. Um... So when I was expecting our twins, I remember um, telling the Lord, you know, kind of this, you know, deal. Like if you, if you, because my, my, my health was in jeopardy also. So it was mm-hmm. like my life or the baby's life, my life or the baby's oh, life. Wow. And I remember making that deal, you know, if you just kind of protect and, and keep me from my kids, but let us have these babies. And I, you know, I don't know why I thought that there was this bargaining chip with with God, but we become desperate, you know, we we become desperate in our humanity. And, um, so, but when we found out the babies had, would not make it, I just remember thinking this is the end of, this is the end of our family. And, and I really don't want to pursue living, like living anymore. And I, and I went to a really dark place, um, really very depressed. And um, I basically lost a year of my kid's life um, because I had to recover physically, but more importantly, spiritually. And I had a really good friend come alongside me and say, um, September, you know, it's time to get up and it's time to heal. And I think, you know, when we know mm-hmm. people are going through a really hard time and I, and I've had to walk this journey with really close family members, even in the last five years, um, we all need, we all, we have this rescuer in Jesus, but we all need rescued by the people in our lives. Like we need help. And I think that's something that I really learned from that. Like it's, it's okay to need help. 
Um, so I had people come in and really support me and walk me through that. And that was really integral. And I'm really glad because now, you know, I, I in the last five years, I've walked through um, watching my brother in a coma for um, the last five years, walking. We have homeless people live with us. I help drug addiction um, and alcohol addiction friends and family come up out of that pit. And I just remember that moment, that really dark moment and thinking, you need that hand from somebody else. Like, it's not just, let me bring you a meal. Um, yeah. So it's really, it's really a real thing. It reminds me of second Corinthians one, four, you know, that God will use the comfort that other people have been comforted with to comfort us. So it's a really real part of scripture to me. Mm. Yeah. How? So I'm wondering, you know, I don't want to, I'm hearing your friends say, Hey, it's time to get up and heal. And I'm going, how did you, that friend know that this is okay to say, right? Like sometimes yeah. there is a time and sometimes you just need to be with people, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, when, when time goes a long time and you're not living your life, it was life, time. Yeah. It was time and, and they weren't being insensitive. Um, but it was time. Like, and when you have a family, there's a time for healing and there's a time for grieving and there's a time for living. And, and I like to, see things that way because you you need to let people grieve um you need to let people heal but then you have to remember that we have to live that other people rely on us and god wants us to live he wants to live in full life um so and that's what he offers us and and so my friend she was wise she was so wise when she came along and did that and i was really grateful yeah that's a that's a good friend okay so you don't say that the first thing you just give some time um I'm saying that for our friends, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's fascinating. So did, did you, are there any other significant moments that you've had with God where you feel like they've really shaped kind of who you've become? Yeah, there's a, a probably a couple, um, you know, losing a lot of babies, having coming from a divorced family, watching alcohol, um, that's the story, part of my story I didn't share, rip through my family DNA and genetic line. Um, there's a lot of things, um, some suicide and depression in our family. I, I lived with a lot of fear mm. and I did not, I didn't realize that fear had a grip on me. Um, but, and I always associated it to, well, I've lost a lot of babies. So therefore, of course, I'm afraid to carry another baby or I'm afraid I'm going to, something could happen. Um, so I thought that was the fear. But um, a couple of years ago, during my sabbatical, all those things are brought brought right before your presence when all you do is spend time with the Lord and wow. rest. Um, and, and I remember... Um, losing sleepless nights and and telling my husband, like, I, I just don't know what it is I have to shake off. Like, I need to shake something off um, that's keeping me from moving forward. Like, it's just, it's just holding me back. Um, and all my friends and my, my, even my kids who my grown up adult kids, like when they would go hear me speak, or when I published my book, or when I started my podcast or my shop, um, or even in my parenting, like everyday life, or even in my friendships, there was this common factor of hesitancy or, um, you know, you could call it being shy or maybe unconfident, but really it all pointed back to fear. And so um, I was speaking at a significant conference a couple of years ago and I, and I was having this talk 
And a large, well-known speaker that I'd always wanted to meet came in from the back of the room and sat down. And in that moment, everything that I had planned on speaking and sharing completely erased from my mind. And they crossed their arms. Now, no one else could see this person. Yeah. They crossed their arms and they kind of cocked their head. And to me, they were evaluating me and I felt shaken. And I, um, I, you know, I finished my talk and I went home and I wrote the conference host an apology letter. You picked the wrong girl. I'm very sorry. I'm probably let you down. First of all, that's so unprofessional. And secondly, it really exposes, you know, what you, was going on. You were feeling insecure. Yeah. <laughs> in my spiritual life. So um, I went back to this conference a year later and during the worship time, um, the keynote speaker was doing this, um, the Beatitudes from Matthew five, and they got to the point where they, they um, said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And I, God literally told me in my spirit in that moment, September, you cannot see, you have no visibility like, um, like Abraham when he was on the, you know, went to the Oak of Mora, which means the tree of visibility, um, because you have no vision. You don't know what God really has for you because you're so tied up in this fear and fear keeps us, you know, from being pure of heart. And it was just this moment, this this, I call it like a light bulb moment. It was really an awakening. And so I took that whole year sabbatical, which was like being on a mountaintop to a valley, mountaintop to a valley. And I just shed this fear um, over my life. And I just gave it back to the Lord. And when I came up out of that sabbatical, I literally felt like I I bent over and I was picking up this baton of faith and I was saying, okay, I have a firm grasp on this now and I'm going to walk in confidence and I will not be shaken. And I feel like everything in my life has been transformed. Like everything I look back on now is like this powerful tool of engagement that I can use. It's not, well, that was for waste, or I hope that never happens again, or that was a bad moment in my life. Like none of it is for, nothing is wasted. Wow. That's a really amazing gift. It was, it was a real, yeah, it was a real gift. And I, and I'm thankful because, you know, raising 10 kids, having a podcast in my shop and speaking and writing a book, that's a platform. All those things are things, right? But I believe God gave them to me and I want to steward them well. And so it's this surrender, you know, like God, okay, you've taken me through this fire and this amazing journey and it was hard and I hated a lot of it, (laughs) but, but let me, let me do the best I can with it. Um, but I would not have been able to see all of that if I just hadn't stepped back long enough to see what was holding me back. Um, I think there's sometimes things like that in our life that come from our childhood or come from things that we pick up and we don't know and they kind of, it holds us back and we don't even realize it. So that was a gift. Yeah. Wow. So I'm just thinking about that as a, you know, just getting, so you gain some perspective on fear, but also on what God was given to you. Right. And you were able to go, that's okay. That's good. And I can step into it. Yeah. Um. What, what did that, was there something specific about you yourself that you learned or that you learned to accept in that, in that time? Well, there's a lot of things that I learned about myself in that time. Yeah. <laughs> and 
they all, you know, they all weren't pretty and they all weren't good, but um, that's the way it should be, right? Like we should be learning about ourselves more and more all the time. Um, but I, I felt like I needed to accept that um, I'm not going to be the um, bright, bold light in the world that other people are. Like, I'm okay with that. I am 100% content with just being a quiet, confident voice and speaking up when I need to, because, um, you know, I'm raising these 10 kids as like a powerhouse for Jesus. And so I want them to be the light and, and the bold light. Um, and, and, and I learned about myself that it's okay to need quiet. Um, I'm, I really do. I'm an introvert in a very extroverted world. My life is very very loud and very needy. Um, and I learned about myself that I'm not a good, I'm not a good writer, but I love it. So I write, you know, I learned a lot of things about myself physically, learned a lot of things about myself spiritually. Um, I've learned a significant thing, especially since I'm a, a writer and a speaker and a verbal processor. And this is a huge one. And I don't know if anyone else will associate with this, but because I'm um, very empathetic, which I've already, I've always known that about myself, I tend to want to, like, I hear something and if it, if it doesn't sit well with me or um, I don't agree with it, or maybe I, I um, am concerned about it, then instead of just like saying how I feel or processing out loud with you know, the world, like on Instagram or Facebook, right. because those things now, I really need to sit on things for a long time to talk to God about it, to write about it to myself, to talk to my husband about it, those closest to me, instead of just like verbally regurgitating how I feel about it, because that can do a lot of damage. Yeah. So um, I did learn that about myself, like even, especially having a podcast, you know, like we could easily say and share whatever we want, but I really am careful now. And that was a really big thing. I think God taught me that, yes, you have a voice. I give you a voice, September. I give you a book. I give you a platform. I give you, you know, all these things, but be careful with it, you know, steward it. And so I'm, I try to be really careful with that. Yeah, that, see, I love that. Um, you know, it. even though that goes back to what you said earlier about having us just taking the time to know yourself in, a, in an industry that's really all about yeah. how loud you can be. Right. Right. And being yeah. everywhere. Um, wow. I love that. Yeah. And, and I think that's a gift that God will give anyone that seeks mm. it. You know, he gives us discernment. I, you know, I tell my kids that's discernment or discretion and it's a real thing. And um, we just have to really study ourselves and how we handle those things. Um, so that, that was, those are things that some of the things that, um, that I had to, you know, work on. Yeah. So how do you see your ministry being different as a result of what you've learned about yourself? Cause I really believe that God, uh, refines us in these seasons. Right. And he, right. and he does yeah. that for a reason. So I'm wondering, I'm curious where you think he's taking you next. You know, I feel like God has called me to do a lot of little things. Well, and, and I think that's the best way to describe it. And when I say little things, it means many things. So, but they're not a lot of big things. Um, 
a lot of people have large capacity. I feel like I have a large capacity. I'm a multitasker. I'm a teacher. So I have the gift to in the wheelhouse to do what I'm doing. But I've learned that the most valuable thing is some of my best yes moments are saying no. And that huh. time, time is not a renewable resource. So what I spend my time doing, I have to be very very precise about. So I like to think of it as like a full circle. And this is how I envision everything God is doing with my life right now. Like um, God's at the center and then I have my family and all these things are spokes. Right. And I feel like now he's brought all these things into my vision and my life. And it's like a wheelhouse, like a, like a real full circle wheel. And if something does not fit into the vision and the purpose he's called me to, then it does not belong there. So um, if it's not speaking to like biblical parenting or biblical worldview, and I just feel like taking, um, a project, then I, I, I won't take it. I just won't take it just to have another voice or another name or notoriety or something like that. Um, so I, I try really carefully to, to keep everything in the same wheelhouse. So it all comes back to the same thing. Um, and I'm and I'm really excited to see where he's taking my family, my grown up kids, because now, you know, they're helping me with our new business and that all ties into the same thing. And my I'm writing new books and I'm really just passionate about giving the next generation a purpose to live out what God's called them to do. And I, and I love that. I'm just so excited about it. And, and that's when you know that you're not chasing you know, pipe dreams, like God is, God has you excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. Sometimes I think we, and I don't know how you, where it is, where you are, but like evangelicals, we sort of denigrate emotion sometimes, you know, like, but yeah. that's how we know it's important, right? Like we, when it gets us excited and gets us moving. Yeah. Right. Because I, um, even in our circles, you know, I, I, that's the way it is. And, and moms say to me, how do you, I, when I talk to you, I just feel so passionate. Like I want to go and do something better with my kids or my parenting or my, I'm like, that is right. Like, I want you to know, like, it's so contagious. It's becoming part of who I am. It's who God made me, made me. Yeah. And when you realize that you're living in that place, then it, it's so exciting. It keeps you motivated and knows that, you know, for me, I, one of the main things I learned is this, is that confidence misplaced will lead to bankruptcy. And that's what brought me to that year wow. sabbatical. So. Yeah, that's good. Confidence misplaced will lead to bankruptcy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's certainly true. And that's one of those things you don't want to learn the hard way, right? Like, to, right, right, right. Exactly. And, yeah. And you know what I had done with that whole, um, fear issue is that it had kind of fear had pickpocketed my purposes. Like it had just kind of, kind of nibbled away at all these things. So God may be calling us to something, um, outside of living the great commission, which I shouldn't even say outside. I mean, like alongside, but if we have these things in our life that need uprooted and faced, you know, these giants that we haven't addressed, then it's going to continually like pickpocket all those things he wants us to do. And that's why I feel so good about where I am now. Not good, like, because I'm doing great yeah. things, just because I feel like, um, I'm in alignment with what he wants me to do. But when I start to have those warning signs and when he says September, you know, you'd need a break. I'm, I'm okay with the timing of it. I'm okay to say, okay, I need to take a couple of weeks off and, and say, well, I guess that book's not going to launch now because 
when, when, it, when it's supposed to launch, it's supposed to launch. So, <laughs> right. Well, okay. So that makes a lot more sense of, um, you know, the story of how you started the podcast and Jamie was reaching out to you, Jamie Erickson and yeah. saying, saying, Hey, I'd, I'd love to do that. And you were like, Oh, not right now. You know, I'm just I'm yeah. <laughs> waiting yeah. and trying to decide maybe were you trying to decide, is this the thing I want to do or, or not? Yeah. Yeah. The podcast is, a, it's a great outlet for, for me with a pod, you know, be able to share from home. I don't have to do anything extraneously. I can just share here and, um, but saying no to great invitations is hard. Yeah. Especially when people think, well, I've been waiting my whole life for this opportunity. It just goes, you know, against the the norm to say, well, I need to wait. Um, but that's another thing, you know, is that God has really brought me to a place in knowing um, that trust, you know, trust has to come before vision. Abraham, he just got up, picked up and went where God told him to. And then he took him to the Oak of Morrow where he had this tree of visibility and so God knew where he wanted Abraham to go and he gave him this vision. And then Abraham just was able to walk into this calling. And I feel like it's trust and then vision and then visibility. And it's a journey that um, trust has to come first. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Friends, there's a ton of wisdom in all of that. September, I appreciate you kind of sharing your story. Um, we didn't talk about your your shop. You have a shop where you sell some things. Yeah, September and Co. It's on Etsy, so it's September and Co. Shop, and um, we're on Instagram at September and Co. But I that shop is basically just a culmination of products and resources that I create that came from just roots of my motherhood and parenting, family resources, things I used with my own own children that didn't exist in the world because I didn't grow up in a home, a Christian home, and I didn't know how to do devotions or teach my kids the Bible or any of that. So I just decided, you know, I need to figure this out. So we just, I just started creating my own things. And um, then my kids, some of my kids grew up and they said, Hey mom, you know, what is it that, what did you use again that you taught us, you know, such and such to learn books, the Bible or to do character curriculum. And I said, well, you know, I scribbled on a piece of paper and they said, you know, mommy, you really should just make this available to other parents. Like there's probably other people out there like you that don't know where to begin and um, didn't have background in, you know, um, the church or Christianity. And so um, they encouraged me to just start this shop and now they work with me and we create these resources for families. That's pretty cool. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Very cool. Okay. So I've got that linked up. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least September ask you for at least one parenting tip because <laughs> you, you've got me beat by two and a half times. So like what, what, what was the one thing you've learned about raising kids that we all need to know? No pressure. Oh gee, just one, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, if I could do two. So one of them would be um, to not take your kids' bad decisions personally. Wow. Like, um, yeah, that's a huge one. Not to take their attitudes and their bad decisions personally. Um, you know, they're growing up and they're learning just like we had to. But I think as parents, we get caught up in the the personal part of it. And so we just need to push that aside. And remember, it's not personal. Um and then I think if I could just share one more tip. Yeah, please do. Yeah, you got to. I just, I just try to limit it to make, you know, make it feel like more sure. important. But that's all right. Yeah. I, I will soak and, up anything you want to offer. <laughs> and then I think the other thing would be to have 
the best communication lines open between you and your kids from a young age on. And if you haven't started that to do it anytime, because if they feel that they can come to you with anything and you're not going to have this explosive emotional reaction, then um, they'll come to you for anything. And, and you, and we want that. Yeah. Yeah, we do. That's right. So, okay. Those are, those are really good. I think that's good. Good. And certainly hard to do, right. To have, to not take things personally because it feels personal, but yeah, right. It's really not. And learning to disassociate that a little bit so that you can care about what they're feeling, not what you're feeling. Right. That's a yeah. key relationship tip right there. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Uh, okay. September, I thank you so much. I really deeply appreciate you just sharing some of your story. And wow, you've you've been through yeah. a lot. You walk with the Lord. I just, I, I'm not trying to flatter you, but I really mean I, I hear so much wisdom. And uh, I, I appreciate you just sharing that with us. Thanks. Um, people can get, they can find you at septembermccarthy.com, right? That's where Correct. Yep. all of your things. I've got links to that, to your Etsy shop, to uh, the podcast. Guys, you're you're already there. If you want more parenting, great tips like that, um, Mom to Mom podcast, go catch that over there. And uh, I love it. September, is there anything you want to leave us with? Uh, no, you know, I would just encourage anyone listening that um, wherever you are in your journey spiritually um, to remember that, you know, God's always been there, whether you felt like you turned your back on him or you didn't know him. And so it's always an opportunity to just pick up where you left off um, and to not, I think a lot of times in our spiritual life, we just kind of feel like, well, we can't go back. We've let him down. And um He's always present. So I'd encourage you to just get back to that place. Amen. You don't have to read too far in scripture, whether it's Jonah or Peter, right? Or any of them to know that God is a God of second chances or maybe sometimes fifth chances. I do some. So I love that. Great advice. Thanks. Thanks for being here, September. Thanks, Eric.